listeners. I hope that you're having a wonderful day. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Annalisa, the Community Youth Educator. And since February is National Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, we are doing some podcasts this month that are specific to teen dating violence, and this is going to be one of them. For this episode, I wanted to give parents some tips on how to have conversations with youth about dating. We're going to be talking in terms of healthy relationships, unhealthy, and abusive ones. Parents having conversations is such an important part of prevention. Although it doesn't always feel this way, studies prove time and again that kids really do listen and take to heart what their parents say and that it has an impact on them. And that what their parents say means more than what a lot of other sources say. So we really do want you to know how to have these conversations, what works and what doesn't, and how to make them the best they can be. There are great tips out there that I could provide for you, and I do plan on doing that. However, I know that whenever I'm reading a list of tips, I always find myself wishing I knew what it really looked like, how it worked or played out, and what people might add into it. So kind of like when you read a recipe and then at the bottom people comment about what happened when they tried to actually cook it, what little changes they made, or what problems came up along the road as they tried to follow it. I think that stuff is so helpful. So today, I've asked some parents here to talk to us about what it was like having these conversations with their youth and what their experiences were like. So you'll be getting some real advice, hearing real examples, and so much more. And at the end, I'm also going to add in some general tips too. So if you're looking for those, I think that's always helpful too to kind of get some basics on where to start. But you'll be getting real advice, true stories, and expert advice on how to make these conversations the best they can be, how to get them started, what problems you might face along the way, or what things might come up, and how to work through those or adjust for them. So I look forward to talking about this with you. Let's get started and hear what these parents have to say. So thank you so much for joining me today and being able to answer these questions for us and to help our listeners who might be working on starting these conversations. Could you give us a little bit of an introduction, Dan? Certainly. So my name is Dan Cargill. I'm the Director of Law Enforcement Services for the Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Um, I'm married. My wife and I have three children. Uh, they're older now, but uh, certainly we have lots of experience with uh, working with Young men, obviously, they were teenagers, but also have a lot of experience uh, working with teens as a camp counselor and then also as a school resource officer. Great. That's wonderful experience for everybody listening. And could you tell us a little more about yourself, Brianna? Sure. My name is Brianna Montoya, and I work as the adult and family advocate for the Network Against Domestic Abuse. Um, So I work with individuals as well as children and families. I'm also a parent. I have three children of my own, one of which is a teen. The other two are still younger. Um, So it's my first run at really addressing these kinds of topics for the teenager. So I may may have very different answers a few years from now that I'm giving you today. (laughs) I really appreciate you both taking the time to answer some of these and give us some of your experiences. So to start with, I was wondering at what age you started having conversations with your children about relationships and if you feel like that was a good age or if you wish you had waited or started earlier. Sure. So when when I hear that question, I think of um, the early conversations we had with our children when we were very little, um, toddler age and very young. 
um, when we talked about friendships and relationships and how people treated um, them and how they treated others. So for us, or at least when I think of that question, relationships um, really start from that friendship level. And for, for us, we really talked about it when we were very young. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I think that it really is wonderful, um, you know, preparation to help kids navigate romantic relationships as they do get older. Um, like Dan said, my husband and I also did the same thing. We really have discussed relationships in terms of, you know, interpersonal relationships, relationships with friends, family members, um, relationships with other adults in their lives that they might trust. So we've always just kind of highlighted the importance of respecting people's boundaries and respecting what people are saying to you, which just changes as the kids get older and becomes a little more different depending on what's age appropriate. Well, that's great to hear. I think sometimes people maybe get a little too worried about thinking about the appropriateness of it. So I think that idea of bringing it up with friendships and with family is really important because a lot of the things for a healthy relationship are going to be the same with everyone. Mm -hmm. So how have you started these conversations? Well, a lot of the conversations we had were around the dinner table, and that's usually where we had these family kind of, um, kind of discussions. And because we have three children and each one's two years apart, um, so when our oldest our daughter uh, had an issue with a friend or started um, we understood that she started to like somebody we would start having those conversations with her but the other two were in the room you know at the dinner table so they actually heard some of those things as well so those were the uh, that was the foundation of our conversations Yeah, I was just going to say, I think when the kids are a lot younger, they tend to want to lead the conversations and they have a lot more questions. And our, our kids, um, you know, around seven or eight years old, seem way more interested in telling us about their lives and asking us questions about our lives. I think as they get older, it becomes a little harder to have those conversations. So we really try to do the same thing and make sure that it's more of a family discussion. Obviously, with a teen, if they want to have a private conversation, that's a little bit different. But we're trying to make sure that there's no mystery around these talks, that there's no shame around these talks, and that it doesn't seem like a scary topic to bring up, so that hopefully when the younger kids do get older, they are comfortable discussing, you know, romantic relationships with us, as well as the friendships, which they already feel pretty comfortable discussing openly. Well, that's great information. I think sometimes people worry about, like, what time to bring it up. And I think, like Dan, you had mentioned bringing it up at dinner time. Were there other things that you put into considering good times to talk to them? Or did you wait for any certain things to prompt these conversations or try and make them like a daily routine? Um, one of the favorite things I, I like to do while we were driving is have these kind of uh, meaningful conversations or deep conversations with the kids. So because we had uh, three different children in three different events or different um, sporting or musical uh, activities we would have alone time with them so we would always be able to either myself or my wife would be able to have these um, conversations and somewhat private conversations because you didn't have the other two there so it was nice to have um uh, that open dialogue and our kids were always very um, open with us in terms of 
dealing with some of the issues or problems that they were facing, particularly as young children, and that of course just grew as they got older. I was going to say the same thing, Dan said, actually, that when we go on long car rides, I think the kids are, you know, they're relaxed, it's a comfortable setting, and they usually feel okay talking, so that's been a pretty convenient time for us to talk about things. Um, I also think that as far as um, deciding it was a good time, um, especially with the younger kids, I think it was when we saw maybe some behaviors that were a little bit concerning to us. Um, you know, maybe even when they were really little, like six or seven, maybe there was a friend who was a little bit possessive or jealous, just trying to help the kids navigate that friendship and help them understand, you know, how to explain what their boundaries are and how to feel confident in that um, and not be afraid of hurting someone's feelings. So I think that overall we've, again, tried to let the kids lead the conversation and so far it's worked out pretty good. So it sounds like you both have these conversations fairly often with your children. I definitely try to. I feel like as the more we communicate, the more comfortable they're going to be talking to us. And, you know, hopefully that's the case. I know as they get older, like Dan said, there are going to be more private conversations, uh, things that maybe they don't want to discuss in front of their siblings. So we try to allow time for that as well. Yeah, I found that when they were younger, we had the conversations much more often. Um, but we were really kind of building that foundation of how do you treat your friends and how do you deal, um, just as Brianna was saying, how do you deal with some of those relationship issues just within your friends. Um, but as they got older into their teenage years and, you know, 17, 18, 19, the conversations were fewer and fewer, but we still had, um, we understood that what they were going through in terms of any of their romantic uh, relationships, but we tried to build that foundation early. Um, so they can deal with them later on. That sounds great. Is there a certain aspect that you thought was hard to have in these conversations, maybe with certain topics that were more difficult than others, or um, maybe just in the dynamics of them? Um, I think for me personally, one of the difficult things to navigate has been having a respectful conversation with my teen about things they want to discuss, like romantic relationships and, you know, as they get older, it does become a little more complicated because children absolutely want to um, know that you think they're responsible and that you do respect them as individuals. And while we absolutely want our child to make good choices and we respect them as an individual, we're still the parent. So I think sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to navigate the discussion if they're feeling a little bit defensive or if maybe they have shared something with you but you find it concerning. So maybe you don't have the response that they were hoping for. Um, so I really try, especially with my oldest, to be careful that if they trust me to share something with me, that I don't have a quick reaction or, you know, an upset reaction. Even if it's something that I do find concerning, I try to approach it calmly so I don't, you know, cause them to, to close up or feel like I'm pushing them away. That's a good idea. That was perfectly said. How are these conversations generally received with your children? My kids, uh, they appreciated them earlier as they got older. There definitely was a little bit of, a, of um, some pushback. So we had to find different ways to, to have the conversations um, or um, ask questions without being too intrusive and giving them their space. So those were some of the um, 
the harder aspects as they got much older and into their twenties. Uh, yeah, I think I would definitely agree with that. Like I said, I only have one teen. My others are still younger; they're only seven and ten. Um, but I do think that the younger kids are much more likely to open up and sometimes even overshare <laughs> everything about their day, which is wonderful. Um, but I do think it becomes more difficult with a teenager who maybe isn't as open. So we try to, um, you know, broach the topic again, kind of gently so that they're not ill-received and make sure that they understand that we do respect if they want privacy, um, but that we are always going to want to make sure that we're aware of what's going on in their lives. Um, I think the only time anything was really poorly received was just trying to bring up the aspect of those teenage relationships being so intense in the beginning that sometimes kids tend to exclude other friends um, from their, you know, social life. So I did have some defensiveness bringing up, you know, just making sure that even if they're interested in someone romantically, that they aren't leaving people out, that they aren't dropping friends or excluding people from their social circle. That's good advice. So you had mentioned that there were some times where you had a hard time with the conversations with them, maybe not going as expected, when or the children not seeming very interested. Do you have any other tips for ways that people could deal with those situations? I know you, you both mentioned a couple good ones. I think for us, it's just having the conversations often and not pushing when the kids don't feel comfortable. So maybe we ask them every single day how their day is going, and sometimes those conversations won't last very long. If they seem like there's something bothering them or there's more going on, you know, we can ask more probing questions and try to get more answers, which is absolutely more difficult with the teenager. Um, but I think respecting when they obviously don't feel comfortable talking, I think that's helpful because in my experience, if I just kind of let things go and let them know that I am ready, you know, whenever they are, I have had really good luck with my teen coming back and letting me know, okay, I want to talk about this now. Um, I think if I were to get pushy or, you know, seem overbearing, I would really decrease the likelihood that they would want to come back and talk to me later on. That's a good point. Yeah, and if my, um, if any of the kids started to um, shut down or not uh, communicate with us when, when we either asked the question or if they said, well, you know, give us uh, answers that were um, kind of vague, but instead of going directly and asking them what's going on, I always felt personally that it was good to talk about their friends and what their friends are doing and how their friends are, um, how their relationships are, because each of the kids have been in sports. We got to know their friends through sports or through youth group. Um, so we were aware that there were other relationships. So sometimes kind of going around, uh, the, going around and speaking about their friends and maybe giving some advice or asking probing questions about the friends opens up the door for a message or a uh, some information that we would want to relate to, to our own child about maybe a relationship or a situation that they are experiencing. Have your children shared experiences of seeing other unhealthy relationships with their peers or going through them themselves? So I, I have not my. Go ahead, sorry. So I have one. My youngest, when she was in high school, uh, she had a very good friend, and there was a small group of um, girls who were very good friends, and one of them had uh, was had a relationship with a 
um, boy who we actually knew. He had uh, been on one of my son's sports teams, and we were aware that uh, this individual had some anger issues and there were some concerns about some of the, the behaviors that he was um, displaying at school and during sporting events. So one day, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, my daughter came to me and said, um, so-and-so was, uh, you know, having a really hard time. Her boyfriend is um, texting her constantly. Um, he's very jealous, very possessive. Um, when she doesn't respond right away, he goes to, you know, directly to, oh, you don't love me anymore. Um, you're probably going out with somebody else, uh, you know, completely uh, to the far extreme. So her and her friends are, you know, all try to convince her to break up with him, that the relationship wasn't healthy. All these behaviors that he was um, displaying were, were just not good behaviors that you'd want in a relationship. So I directed her to a, uh, it's an online, it's a application, it's called PD 411, which is Team Dating 411. And she actually sat down um, with a bunch of her friends during lunch and they downloaded the app, or actually she downloaded the app earlier and uh, went through the screening process and realized, you know, they all of them as a group realized, well, these are some really um, toxic behaviors. And um, so they, after discussing it, um, she ended up ending the relationship with this boy because of TV Sport and one and the information that was held within that. Oh, that's really great that that worked so well and that they were able to help her. I know sometimes with youth, it can be a little hard to recognize some of the warning signs because they might seem initially like they're like caring or they might be things that movies or TV shows make seem good. So that it's good that they were able to talk to her and let her know that those behaviors were harmful. Right. This was a classic situation where all of the friends saw that the behaviors were toxic and, and inappropriate, but she didn't see them that way. She just saw them as that well. he really cares and he's really um, concerned about me. And, you know, but again, seeing it um, through that app and taking that little quiz really opened her eyes to, okay, now I understand. That's great. I really appreciate that Dan pointed out that all of this girl's friends recognized these warning signs, but it was difficult for her to notice. Um, I've been on the opposite end of that as a parent where my child absolutely had an unhealthy friendship um, that, you know, they thought of as a romantic relationship that was not um, something that I wanted them to continue with. And it was interesting because my own child had previously discussed with me a very similar situation involving a friend of theirs. It was really helpful to be able to remind them of how worried they were about their friend and how obvious it was to them when it was someone else to recognize these unhealthy behaviors. So I think, you know, if a child is able to give themselves the same respect that they give their friends, they're more likely to be confident that, okay, you know, I really don't deserve to be treated this way. There really is something wrong with this. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's surprising sometimes how different people can think if you ask them to tell you a problem like their friend was going through it. It really does seem to make a difference, unfortunately, because they should be caring about themselves as much. But 
that can definitely be a good way to open up somebody's eyes to something. Have you ever made any mistakes in any of these conversations that you'd be willing to share to help others learn from? Or what would you recommend to somebody who feels like they really like messed up or did a poor job of trying to have one of these conversations? Um, I personally think that the, the biggest mistake I've made with my own kids so far is just kind of assuming that what worked for one might work for the other. Um, obviously, kids are unique human beings and their personalities are so different. So I absolutely have to approach conversations differently with each one of the children, which is something I've had to learn. Um, and I think the most important thing for me has been to not get offended. You know, if the kids don't react well to something I ask them or something I say, remembering that, you know, they're allowed to have these feelings. They're allowed to be upset and frustrated. The important part is where we go from there and how we communicate going forward. Um, so I've absolutely apologized to my children if I've said something that made them uncomfortable or asked them a question that they felt uncomfortable answering and explained to them that, you know, I do have concerns. There are some things I want you to share with me, but I do want to make sure that they know that they do have some level of privacy. Um, and then I certainly don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so when my, my oldest was 16, um, there was a uh, boy from youth group who she, they were interested in one another and they, uh, they actually wanted to you know, date exclusively and uh, start a relationship. So um, knowing him a little bit um, you know, one day, so I'm going to tell you this story and how it actually, I thought it was no big deal, but obviously it was a big deal. So um, after church one day, I happened to see him uh, in the hall and I said, hey, can I talk to you for a moment? And pulled him into one of the uh, empty meeting rooms and just had the kind of fatherly talk, you know, about respect and you know, I understand you uh, like my daughter. And, you know, just did very easy, shook hands and um, it was no big deal. So afterwards I realized and was told by my daughter that he was scared to death. Now, mm -hmm. Mind you, I was a trooper of the detective uh, back then and, uh, I didn't think anything of it because I'm an illegal kind of guy. Mm -hmm. But for him, it was it was very scary. Um, and word got around quickly. Oh. Flashing forward. So there was no big deal. Or at least I didn't think it was. And, um, but flashing forward, um, my youngest daughter made a comment about uh, dating relationship. And um, I had mentioned, oh, I can't wait to, to meet them. And she's like, no way. I'm not bringing them over here. And I said, why not? So, and then, of course, she brought up the story from years earlier about me, you know, having this conversation with this other uh, young man. So it was uh, something that um, backfired on me a little bit and probably um, broke a little bit of the uh, trust um, that I had with that I had built with my other my kids. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's definitely, I, I think, something that people sometimes don't realize, too, is that you're intentions might look different to somebody else that is good to consider. Mm -hmm. Are there any other general tips that you would give a parent who might be listening? I would personally suggest patience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, especially um, given that teens aren't always going to want to open up and talk to you about something right away. Um, continuing to be consistent and show up. Um, I know so many parents, you know, we, we say, well, we're always here if you want to talk. Sometimes it's an inconvenient time. Um, I think it's important to make sure that even if it's inconvenient, we really are there for them 
when they need us. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a firm believer of mirroring what um, behaviors you want your children or people in your life to, to either pick up or learn from. So even within your own relationships, whether it's uh, your spouse, um, a significant other, or uh, just your friends, is to um, mirror the kind of uh, behaviors and, ex and accepted behaviors from your partners and what's appropriate and what's not and um, working together in that kind of context of showing them what you think relationships um, should look like. That's definitely a very valuable tip as well. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to do this and to share your experiences with us. I think that hearing this will be really helpful for people to either build up the courage to have these conversations or to know how to go about it. So thank you. Thank you very thank much you. for your time, Anna. Thank you to both of them for taking the time to talk to us and share some of their experiences. I think some important tips that we heard in that were to talk early. Sometimes people fear having the conversations at certain ages because they think that their children might be too young to be talking about certain things. But as we heard in this episode, there are plenty of age appropriate ways you can do it. You can make it about friendship or family relationships to teach some of the basics of a healthy relationship. You can bring up some of the more age-appropriate things as they get older, like talking about jealousy, which might be something that occurs in younger relationships. But talking as early as possible definitely makes it easier to have those conversations later, and it helps set the children up for success. So if you have a child that's already a teenager, definitely start having those conversations anyway because they're always beneficial, but the earliest you can start, the best. It's also really helpful to have them often. As we heard in this podcast, there are great ways to include it in dinner conversations and car rides. They suggested some ideas of seeing certain behaviors, prompting it, or just having these conversations as a family one. You can also certainly use things like music or movies. A lot of times I'll see articles that kind of break down the relationships in movies and TV shows and how they were depicted. So it could be something as simple as being like, hey, I read this today and we watched that TV show. What do you think about that? Just to kind of get a conversation going. So there can be other ways you bring it up too, asking about their friends or different things in their life. But having those conversations often is really valuable because relationships aren't as simple as a one-time thing. Also mentioned in the podcast is being able to um, role model these relationships, showing the kind of behaviors you think would be helpful or beneficial in your own relationships. And now one thing to keep in mind with this is that we all make mistakes. So maybe you get in an argument with your partner and you handle it in a way that's not great and the kids see that like yelling and screaming or something. It doesn't mean that it's too late and that like damage is forever done. If something like that happens and you think it over and reflect on it, it's good to share that too in an age appropriate way. You don't have to get into all the dynamics of your argument, obviously, because that might not be appropriate. But you can say something like, I realize that you probably heard this 
yelling and name calling and that really wasn't appropriate of me to talk to somebody that way and kind of go through an apology of admitting what's wrong and what you're going to do to make the situation better. That can be really great role modeling too because it teaches them that what to do when they make a mistake and how to correct things and that's good advice because that'll probably happen to them as well. We all make mistakes or have situations where we do things that are less than ideal. So being able to present mistakes in a certain kind of way can be helpful to your positive role modeling of healthy relationships as well. And it doesn't even just have to be in a relationship where you're dating someone. It again can be in how you interact with family members, how you interact with strangers, just being mindful of that role modeling and messaging that you're sending. So those are really important things. One thing that wasn't touched on specifically, but I think is also important when you're having these conversations is to make sure that you're having conversations no matter what the identity of your child. Sometimes I hear a lot of people really focus on having these conversations with young girls. And we did hear some examples of young girls in this episode, just because that happens to be some of the children that were mentioned. But I think it's really important not to forget to have conversations with boys and LGBTQ youth as well, whether they're non-binary or transgender or whatever identity they might have. Healthy relationships are important for everyone to have. And when you're talking to, say, boys, for instance, again, I think sometimes people put a lot of that emphasis on respect towards women, which is great and something we would definitely advocate for. But you also want to make sure that you're teaching them to look for people that are going to treat them with respect and be a healthy relationship partner for them as well, because young boys definitely do get into abusive relationships with emotional and verbal abuse. It can be just as often as it is with young girls in relationships. So we really do want to make sure that we're not making this specifically any kind of gender thing. All children need to have these conversations with it being about them having healthy relationships towards them as well as being a good partner towards someone else and knowing that resources are available for them if they ever need help or where to turn to. I think another thing that can also be helpful is having conversations about teaching them how to help a friend because most teenagers don't tell somebody if they're going through an abusive relationship. Part of that might be that they're ashamed or embarrassed. It could be that they're scared. It might be that they want to seem independent and like they can handle things on their own. Or it could be that they just really don't recognize it. Sometimes when teens have abusive relationships at home, like with their parents, they might normalize some of those behaviors or get that negative role modeling. Or it could just be the fact that it's their first relationship that they don't really know what to expect. And sometimes people that are unhealthy relationship partners use that against the person and will say things like, this is what relationships are like, this is what everybody else is doing. And if that child doesn't have somebody giving them different information about that, that can be really harmful as well. So. Having your children know how to help friends is going to be beneficial in the fact that they're likely to see these red flags as we, as was talked about a little bit in this episode with some of the friends recognizing that. 
it can be really helpful, but it also gives you another tool for bringing up these conversations with them because they're also still hearing what's unhealthy or abusive. And they're also still hearing where people can get help and that you're somebody that they can talk to. So again, that is also another good outlet for having these conversations is bringing the friends into it. It's something that I think that youth can really relate to. So there's lots of different ways to have these conversations. You don't have to make it a big, awkward, serious thing. Again, it can just be in a car, you hear a song playing and you're like, whoa, that song lyric, let's talk about that a little bit. It can be kind of a fun way to bring up a conversation. It could be something that you just make so routine that it seems normal and not out of the ordinary to be having these things. You can focus on aspects that you're more comfortable with. I know sometimes people have a hard time with some of the things like, um, talking about consent or sexual relationships can be something that's particularly awkward. And while I definitely want you to have those conversations because youth do need those things, you could back it up and talk about something that's a little bit more comfortable for you first, like saying that you want to teach them good communication skills or how to solve problems or maybe talking about a warning sign like jealousy or about a healthy relationship thing like respect something that you feel a little bit more comfortable with to help start up these conversations before breaking into the big things. You can acknowledge to your teen that this is an uncomfortable conversation, but that it's really important and that you want to do your best to go through these things together and get them the information they need and answer their questions. I think we tend to really like seeing when people take that approach of being humble and honest. It tends to make people more approachable. So it's okay, again, in an appropriate way. You probably don't want them to know that you're totally in over your head and have no idea what you're talking about because that might be a credibility issue, but just letting them know like, hey, this makes me nervous too. I know that this is kind of an awkward conversation to be having is perfectly fine. So you can use that to bridge the comfort level as well. Some things to keep in mind also are just the things that you would keep in mind for any other conversation in terms of if it's a good time, is the person in a space where they're receptive to that. So if somebody is distracted, if they have some big conversation going on with their friends on the phone or they're trying to play video games or they have like a huge test and all this homework going on, maybe that might not be the best time. It might be something that you really want to think about what's a good time where you can focus together, where it's a little bit more relaxed, where you know that they're going to be receptive to hearing your messages. And it's also totally okay to get help. If you're really stressed about this, you don't know where to begin, you want somebody to walk you through it, please feel free to call us. We're happy or send me a message. I'm happy to have these conversations with you, to work more situationally with you and to help you come up with some tips individually. There's also a lot of great resources. We post things on our social media and on our website that talk about teen relationships. So you could print those out and use them as guidance. There's also, like was mentioned in the episode, the TD411 app or things like loveisrespect.org has a lot of interactive like quizzes and relationship spectrums and things. So definitely feel free to print out resources to get that information so that you know that you're giving the right ideas, that it's something that might be a little bit more approachable to go off of if you want to say like, hey, I want to share this information with you. I think this is really beneficial. Maybe we can talk about this together. 
you can use resources as well. So definitely know that you are not alone in this, that there are people who can support you. And it's okay to reach out for support if you just maybe reach out to a friend to be like, I'm having these conversations. Have you ever done this before? And kind of just talk back and forth. Getting support for yourself is definitely beneficial as well. So those are just some tips to get you started. If listening to this, you were thinking, I really want to have these conversations, but the thing that I'm looking for wasn't reached, please feel free to reach out to us and we can either address your conversation with you or in a future episode where we can go more into depth because I know that sometimes that's happened to me that I've maybe gone to some kind of presentation or talk about something really hoping to get a certain kind of information and it just wasn't the direction they went in and I, I totally understand that that happens and would be happy to help with more specifically what you're looking for or what you were hoping would be addressed. So definitely feel free to send that our way and we would be happy to discuss that again either with you or to use it as a prompt for a more in-depth episode into that topic. But thank you again to our parents who were a part of this and gave us some great information. And thank you to everyone out there listening. I hope that this was helpful to you, that you have some ideas or some positive reinforcement that what you're doing is okay and going well. And I hope that you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.